Ladies and gentlemen, this is El Cochino, Tom Lawler, and I'd like to welcome you to the podcast that puts the lotion on its own skin, Lucha World. Bitchin'. Welcome everyone to Lucha World Podcast episode number 129. Fredo Esparza here and this week we will be remembering Brazo de Plata, also known as Super Porky. We'll be talking about Sanson Cuatrero Forastero leaving CMLL. We will be recapping Triple Mania 29 and we will be talking about some of the latest news from CMLL including the announcement of their upcoming 88th anniversary show, which will once again feature fan voting for five matches, uh, five title matches. And already there's been a, a slight change and some controversy concerning one of those matches. Um, so we will be talking about all that and a whole lot more. Um, not really, just pretty much those four topics. Um, there's really, um, it's really right now, um, Actually, this is a lot of news because the, the Triple Mania on its own is probably going to be uh, a lot to talk about. Just a lot went on on that show. Um, but there was a lot that happened. And really, um, one of the things that I I still notice with um, Lucha Libre um, is that uh, we get a lot of um, shows announced. And then suddenly, they a couple of them get canceled or postponed because um, obviously they're, they have to um, take care of what is going on with the pandemic as far as how many people or if people should be attending shows um, based on the um, COVID cases in the different um, areas or regions in Mexico. Same thing ha is happening here in the United States where um, here in Los Angeles County, um, they've pretty much reinstated the mask mandate uh, for people to wear them indoors once again. And, and actually, I think they've even added more like you have to sh show that you're um, vaccinated or been tested, um, show a, a negative um, result on a test in order to attend um, a big event or a large at a large venue. I don't know. They're, there's const they're constantly changing it. I think this is going to go on for at least another year, maybe two, um, just because people aren't really uh, we're still we still don't have a lot of people that are um, getting um, vaccinated. And then, you know, a lot of the people that aren't getting vaccinated, they have different reasons why they're not doing it. Some of them um, you know, they'll tell you that it's because they don't know enough, or th there's constantly different um, news that they that they hear about the the vaccine. But um, honestly, um, I got vaccinated. Um, it didn't hurt. 
It was very easy to do. I didn't get sick. It was, it, you know, maybe you feel a little bit、um, under the weather for、uh, 24 hours after you get back from the time you get vaccinated to the next day. But other than that, I was fine.、Um, if you're still on the, on, on, still not considering getting vaccinated, I really recommend that you just do it. I mean, protect yourself, protect your family, your friends, everyone.、Um, that's what matters the most right now. And, You know, I know, I know a lot of people make it a, a political thing, but you know, honestly,、um, at some point, at some point every, I, I think everybody's either going to get vaccinated, and if you're not vaccinated, you're going to run the risk of constantly having to deal with、um, you know, getting tested, which you know, in some cases costs money, and you're going to have to not, you're going to have to like conform to certain things. So, like I said, just get tested it's not, or get vaccinated. It's not that big of a, of a deal. And you know, it's actually hit a lot of Lucha Libre with a lot of luchadors passing away from it.、Uh, many of the luchadors that passed away from it were, you know, slightly、um, not 100% healthy.、Um, even though they were actively wrestling, some of them,、um, they weren't the most, you know, they weren't the most healthy looking people. But、um, this is something that can affect anyone. And if you have a health issue,、um, it's something that's going to affect you. And Obviously, it's happened to a lot of the, the luchadors. We've seen a, a, several of them, Ovet, Angelo Demonio,、um, a couple of other wrestlers that have passed away from, from different ages, too, like a lot of older、um, luchadors and、um, a lot of the you know, guys who are you know, middle aged, sort of.、Um, so, you know, that's, that's I, I mean, to me, it's just like it, it just makes sense just to get、um, vaccinated, just to get over this whole pandemic thing and, and get to some sort of normalcy. Right now, I. I see a lot of people that are starting to travel, attend wrestling shows.、Um, I still don't feel at that point where I'm, I'm comfortable going to wrestling shows. I have gone to restaurants and I have gone to a, a couple of、um, you know, ven- air places, you know, like bars that I, that I frequented in the past, but mostly because I already know a lot of the people that are there. And、uh, for the most part, I try not to go when there's a lot of people.、Um, so, like, I won't go to a bar on a weekend. I'll maybe go on a Wednesday late in the, in, in the evening. Um, so, maybe instead, instead of running the risk of being around a, a, you know, a lot of people on a weekend, on a Wednesday, you're basically just hanging out with a couple of people that you know.、Uh, maybe like the, the few times I've been there, been on, at, on, at a bar on a Wednesday,、um, I think there's been less than 20 people, <laughs> even, even fewer.、Um, before the pandemic, I once went to, this,、um, to, to one of the local bars that I hang out at. And there w a s like maybe six people my brother in law, myself, and the bartender, and three other peop- guys. That was basically it. And、um, it, was, it, was, it was very,、um, you know, so, so that's the sort of thing. Like, I know there's Cauliflower Alley Club coming up in September.、Uh, PWG is running shows again. But honestly, I, I, I don't know if I, I want to be in, a, in that type of atmosphere where there's so many people in a small, in a venue, a smaller venue, and it's like it, it kind of just feels a little bit.、Um, It's, I don't think it's worth, worth it right now.、Um, I'd rather just wait, honestly. It's not that big of a deal. So,、um, getting to the news right now、um, Brazo de Plata,、uh, also known as Super Porky, who is a huge star in Lucha Libre, passed away on July 26th from a heart attack. This was probably one of the, the 
I mean, he was a huge star for many of us who um, watched. I mean, a lot of us who are, are if you're listening to the show, you probably had a chance to watch watch him unless you're really, really new to, to pro wrestling, to Lucha Libre within the last three or four years. Um, but if you've been around um, the last 10, 15, 20, 30 years, um, you've seen, you've heard, you've enjoyed um, watching Super Porky. Maybe some of you who got in a little later. Um, didn't really enjoy it as much just because he was more of a comedy wrestler. But even his comedy was always funny. I think at, at towards the end, it kind of like it, it was kind of like um, they would put him in with like let's say like he would be in a trios match and it would be him, Mascara Dorada and La Sombra versus like um, Guerreros Laguneros or something like that or Guerreros del Infierno or some really good trio that can go and you know he they usually had to slow it down just because he was there but for the most part he was a he was a comedy wrestler by you know late in his career is basically that all that's all he was but if you were like me and you're much more older um you remember him as part of the brazos trio even when they were masked and they were an awesome awesome trio a great great um probably i would say top i i think i had him placed second as as or second or third in the greatest trios of all time um, they were just a fantastic trio. Could work. They can brawl. They could do. They could. They could mat wrestle. They could, you know, super porky brasso de plata could do cartwheels in the match. I think that's one of the things that a lot of people didn't. Um, if you didn't get to see him early in his career, you didn't realize how athletic he was for a big guy. And he wasn't a big, tall guy. He was, he was short, really short, like I think five six or so. But he was and he was hefty. But he could move. He was very athletic. Um, I, that kind of, as he started to gain more and more weight as he got older, that started to um, slow him down. And he wasn't doing that much of that. But he was still, when he was younger, wow, he was he was awesome. Um, really, that trio, along with Los Misioneros de la Muerte, Los Infernales and, CM, and EMLL, and really those were really the trios that kind of kind of elevated trios wrestling in Lucha Libre during the, the, the trios boom in the 1980s. From there... I mean, Brasso's when they dropped their mask to the Vianos, uh, another great trio from that era. And, you know, one of the funny things is that that trio really had consisted of, of five different um, brothers. And um, I, can't, I think one of them passed away at, 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 a, at a younger age. And so it was really the four of them. And then um, people always used to put Viano 3 in, 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 in that big mask match, but he wasn't actually in that match. It was, I think, Viano 1, 4, and 5. And... Um, that was a huge match that also had some controversy just because the Brasos claimed that they weren't paid by the promoters and it actually took years for them to get their, their money. Um, some kind of questioned whether or not they got the entirety of what they were owed for their mask. But that was actually one of the bigger matches in Lucha Libre history just because it was, you know, two team, two trios that feuded for so many years you know, as far far as a family, and then they continued on afterwards. But, you know, these are guys that knew each other from, you know, childhood. And when they started wrestling, they kind of started wrestling and in, getting into the wrestling business at about the same time. So they, you know, you got to see that they, they actually worked against each other uh, when they were getting, you know, climbing up the the, the cards uh, for, for UWA. So um, that was actually one of the, that was actually um, one of the bigger, rivalries um and you really see what what became of like viano tercero who came out of that huge rivalry and even though he wasn't part of that mass match you know he was such a big star by that point that he was able to take that into the the next decade and on to the the 2000s where it was that big mass match with atlantis well with the brazos they were still so huge that when they dropped their mask in many ways i think that made them a, a more entertaining trio 
um, gave them a new um, look. Um, they went from being like a really good brawling trio to being still a very good brawling trio, but also um, they used a lot of the, you could see their, their, their faces, so they used a lot of their um, facial expressions, uh, and that's really where Super Porky uh, became such a huge star. Really, the how, how many times ha- would you watch the Brazos and they, the, the first thing they would do was um, they would have they would have um, a match and and Super Porky would start crying or, or he would get upset at, from a, something he would do in the match. And, you know, his two brothers would kind of scold him. Um, Brasodora was being the oldest and the leader of the of the trio would constantly be very, um, you know, rough with him, um, maybe slap him a few times and and make him cry. And that kind of like that kind of endeared him with the fans. And that made him into an even bigger star to the point where CMLL in the 90s kind of thought of him as becoming, you know, a single superstar on his own. And he pretty much became a, a huge, a, a big star. I would say maybe not at the level of, you know, of a El Santo or somebody like that, but pretty much in that next tier of um, superstars, a guy who is just so charismatic that that you um, you fans just love to see him wrestle and love to see him um, be on shows and that continued on not just from from his time with CML, but later on in AAA, um, his his appearance in, in WWE television, uh, which was really just um, him eating. I think it was ham, uh, um, sitting in, in skits uh, when they were doing the the I think it was the junior division, and um, it was just one of those. Um, he just had a a really wonderful career, and you know he he's he's going to be remembered for for a long time. And you're you know the thing the sad thing about the Brasso is that all three brothers the the ones that made the the Brasso's tree and they're actually there actually is a fourth brother that passed away also the one that wrestled as Robin Hood but you had those the three trio the three members of the original Brasso's trio that passed away they've all passed away and um, it's kind of sad that um, we don't have them around but they have so many family members that are still around and it was kind of interesting that as we were seeing AAA build up to an eventual um, big main event for triple man being psycho clown versus ray scorpion and who and um of course psycho clown being the son of super porky you know that the the passing happening happening at a at a time when not only was psycho clown the son of 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 uh, of super porky but then you have him going up against ray scorpion who was really one of the last big rivals of, of super porky in his career um they had this really um surprisingly entertaining match in cmll where it was basically like a a, a hair match but it was a super libre uh kind of like a, with mma i think it was vale tu, they call it vale todo um, MMA type of match and Ray Scorpion just beat the crap out of um, him and the plan was for Ray Scorpion and Maximo to have their um, to set up the the revenge big match in CMLL but Ray Scorpion ended up leaving and then you basically have Ray Scorpion becoming a huge um he was already becoming a bit pretty big star in CMLL but he became such a much bigger star as an independent and then you know I think he he went back briefly to CMLL and then went back to um, AAA and became an even um, a, a, a far bigger probably one of the best heels in Lucha Libre right now. Um, I kind of wish he would get more interest as far as fans kind of like getting a little bit more behind him as being a great um, Rudo. But um, I kind of think he kind of, I think he's great, but in the fans' eyes, he's not necessarily that next top tier um, Rudo where, you know, like a Roosh that's, you know, and that Roosh is technically, I, I, I consider him a Rudo, but like a type of guy that, you know, is considered a, an elite level guy and Ray Scorpion has that um, capability of being that type of wrestler um, unfortunately I, I think he kind of there's a there's a certain point where because AAA uses um, 
You know, they have Psycho Clown as the lead baby face, but then they have a lot of guys who come in as foreign stars like Kenny Omega and 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 or the big XWW guys that come in, Andrade, Alberto El Patron previously, Rey Mysterio, that it kind of makes it difficult um, for somebody like Rey Scorpion to reach that next level of being a huge, huge star. Not too much in the guys who were there in the past, like Dr. Wagner Jr., L.A. Park. Um, whenever Roosh comes in, another guy that I think would you would group in with those guys that are... Um, guys that would, they would bring in just for one appearance and kind of that would overshadow somebody like Ray Scorpion, who's pretty much a, a, a A guy. It happens all the time, but, um, yeah, you know, um, super porky, such a charismatic character and such a fun person. Um, so many people talk about how, how great of, uh, of a guy he was and you could get, you see that in his interviews, uh, whenever he would talk and he would be so, um, so enthusiastic, even, after he he retired, um, he still had hopes of coming back to Russell. Um, he was pretty much shot by that by that point. But um, a lot of wrestlers just have a hard time quitting. So I think for the most part, he was planning on he was kind of hopeful to come back. I'm glad I'm glad he was able to get a, a little bit of a I don't know he kind of got he I don't know I, I kind of feel that he had some big moments in Lucha Libre that uh, maybe. From what I heard, from what Psycho Clown said, he didn't die an, an angry, bitter wrestler. He was still a, a very happy person, and I think that's that's very important. That was ha- that was good. Um, he died at a young age. I mean, honestly, but um, one of the things that I think, as if you've been a longtime Lucha Libre fan, um, you realize that he um, he's had a couple of health scares in the past. I think going back to the mid '90s, um, suffering heart attacks. <laughs> so um, he may have lasted a little. Despite being, I think, late fifties, um, he might might have lasted a lot longer than I think a lot of us thought he would last. Um, I wish he would have lasted a little longer, just because I think um, having somebody like that who um, is so enthusiastic about lucha libre, it, it's always fun to have somebody like that. Um, he wasn't one of these old wrestlers who was bitter. That was one of the other things I really liked about him. He wasn't totally completely um, gone. I think he, I think the one thing. When you, there's a big difference with older wrestlers when they're they're talking about how their era was great. Everybody does that. We all do it uh, with music, entertainment, every uh, sports. We always talk about oh, when we were younger, this was even better. When we were younger, uh, we all do it. But there, but you also have to have that. Um, a lot of us have that um, ability to reflect on on the fact that you know maybe not everything nowadays is horrible. I mean, uh, and I think Super Porky was that type of um, former. Um, Russell that kind of understood that you know even though it's not like it used to be you still there's still some positives in lucha libre and i think that's um i think there there needs to be more legends like that I, i'm glad blue panther's still around just because he's still not completely bitter about wrestling and whenever he gets interviewed he really talks about how how he kind of feels that it just you know wrestling just evolves and and he doesn't t- totally um trash it um, like other guys, like Pirata Morgan, and other and um, Kanek, and other guys like that. Well, I hope I hope people remember Super Porky for being not just a great, a, a charismatic, comedic wrestler, but also for being a very good wrestler, because um, he was good. Um, definitely one of the all-time great luchadors in, in Mexico, in uh, wrestlers in Mexico. I, one of the all-time greats. He'll 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 be missed. Babies, ush, recuérdame, come frutas y verduras, que la sombra de super porky los cubra y los proteja, ush. The big news prior to Triple Mania came from CMLL. 
when they sent out a press statement um, that Tuesday prior to Triple Mania announcing that Sanson, Cuatrero, and Forastero, um, the trio known as Nueva Generación Dinamita, or NGD for short, um, had parted ways with the promotion. They wished them well and basically also announced that the Mexican National Trios titles and the, and the CML World Middleweight title were vacant now because those were titles held by NGD. Um, Cuatrero held the middleweight title. Um, so they are... They were announced as being gone, which was a huge shock to everyone um, just because these are guys who are in their 20s leaving CMLL, um, guys who you really should st- you should be building the promotion around. But for the most part, if you look at what the track record of recent departures from CMLL, this is around the age range of guys that have left CMLL to, um, to look elsewhere um, with La Sombra when he left to go to WWE as, and became Andrade, uh, Mascara Dorada, Roosh, Dragon Lee. Um, the list goes on and on of guys who have left the promotion. And um, I think there's going to be more guys that are going to leave as, as, the, as the weeks and months go on just because I don't think this is um, even like even some of the undercard guys like Super Astro Jr. who left. Um, they're kind of seeing that there's more options out there they're they're looking for opportunities. If they're if they're undercard guys, they're more more or less looking for opportunities. Whereas um, the m- main event level guys pretty much know they're going to get a big spot elsewhere, be it AAA or on independent shows, and then we're getting work um, internationally. Um, one of the problems with um, with what came down with NGD and and um, and CMLL really it, it came down to the fact that. NGD kind of held a, uh, they posted a video, I think the day after, or a day or two afterwards where they thanked CMLL for the opportunities. And then they kind of said that they wanted to expand their horizons and wrestle in other places throughout Mexico. Um, they basically only said that, but they're probably going to end up working a little bit more internationally as well, just because that's one of the drawbacks with being in CML is that um, they've kind of closed themselves out of everything, every other promotion. Um, they've kind of just, they're doing their own thing and you know other than that relationship with new japan pro wrestling um they don't really keep a long long-term relationships with other promotions um the ring of honor one i didn't really last that long hopefully that i mean i don't know i think that's the only hope that they could bring that back just because it's another option for those guys in cml that you know maybe they don't get worked that frequently but the fact that every once in a while um, promotions like New Japan and Ring or Ring of Honor, they kind of want to do something that's more um, um, geared towards Latinos. They'll always fi- want to use more talent, and having that option of bringing in CMLL guys, it would always help, especially with New, New Japan with the Fantastic Mania. Um, losing that, um, that's it's really been. I think CML has been hit really hard by the pandemic, um, just because there's not a lot, as much work for these guys outside of CMLL, and even in, within CMLL, um, they're basically they have one left for a stretch of time they weren't getting um it was basically just the the friday shows now they've kind of expanded it towards now the the friday the tuesday friday sunday in arena mexico shows and then they have um puebla's back and guadalajara and really there's only two um two shows missing the 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 arena coliseo saturday show and then the guadalajara um sunday show 
I don't know if those are ever going to come back. Um, the Guadalajara one seems more likely to happen, but that was more a, a lo- with, with local talent than anything else. Every once in a while, they would bring in. Um, I think with Satanico being a part of the, that group right now, um, they were bringing in a, a few more of the main roster guys, not all of them, but maybe like one or two or, you know, a handful of guys just to fill out the, just to have a bigger main event on a Sunday show. Um, but even like them getting work in de- on the independents, they weren't getting anything. Um, if you, I, if you look at, um, I think Cubs fan posted on Lucha blog where he noticed that Ultimo Guerrero, Nitro and Yuvia had gotten something like 20 plus bookings outside of CMLL. Whereas, um, Sanson Cuatro and Forastero had only gotten one. And that right there alone kind of tells you the that there's there's a big disparity. Um, there's been other people that kind of seem like they're they've left CMLL. Um, Estrellita has hasn't been there and she's been working more with the Robles group. Um, there's been others that kind of have been um, MIA um, Fuego, who's I'm I'm assuming Fuego's more or less um, working in, in, in in, in, in his um, home region as far as a real job just because, you know, he's he hasn't been back. And there's been a handful of other guys that haven't really been back. Um, you're starting to see some guys like Halcón Suriano Jr. kind of has, has made his way back um, to be more on more shows in CMLL. But um, still, it's there's still not as much work for these guys available as far as um, what other guys like the independent guys are able to get. And even then, I mean, there's not as, as much. You're, you're starting to see a lot of the the, the main stars in, in Mexico kind of like trying to get bookings in the United States. Um, so it's kind of, it's starting to open up a little more. Unfortunately, <laughs> the, we're still in the middle of pandemic. So um, I don't know how far, how long this is going to, how long this is going to last. Um, and the fact that it's still going on, um, I think a lot of like the younger guys or some, a lot of the CML guys are probably seeing that, that, you know, the likelihood of Fantastica Mania happening next year seems very unlikely. And then this Ring of Honor relationship di- ending so abruptly, um, just it, it kind of feels like it's kind of time. It's kind of, you know, it makes more sense to leave just because there's no no other alternative besides being in CML for that long and not having the option of going. You know, and that's one of the other things. These guys, the option of going elsewhere, um, it isn't just about them wrestling, but them being able to sell their merchandise. And the fact that they're not able to go to to Japan or the United States, it makes it a little harder for them um, to make money um, or make far big, far more money than they, they do within CMLL. It doesn't help that the fact that CML, every little slight is kind of like so difficult. Um, even it's weird because even like guys who left AAA, if they get booked with CMLL guys, that first time that they're there, they have to change the match or whatever, or they have to like the, the promoter pretty much has to like either um, decide not to have, use the CMLL talent or use the one or not use the guy that, that can't is, is who left AAA has been gone from AAA for at least months. And, um, but because CMLL doesn't keep up with this stuff, the the office doesn't keep up with this stuff, it, it makes it impossible to like come up with a, a proper um, way of like using CMLL talent. Um, so NGD leaves. Um, that leaves a huge hole in, in CMLL. You know, for whatever reason, just because I uh, there's a lot of people who don't understand. I think they were very repetitive in their in their matches um, the last two years which was unfortunate just because they're young guys and you would think they would be like the guys who would want to improve the quality of the matches and, and kind of like raise the level of, of, of what was happening in CMLL. But that kind of also shows you the, the state of CMLL where, you know, nobody really can seems to be able to do that. I mean, you unless you're self-motivated, 
um, it's very difficult for these guys to kind of like elevate other people and or themselves and it kind of became this really um, it's become a very boring product for the most part on occasion you'll get a good show but um, NGD the fact that they left I think hopefully this leads to them kind of just you know res resurrecting their careers because you know for about a a two three year stretch they were actually really good and they were starting they were getting when they were getting pushed and working with angel de oro niebla roja um and and sobrano jr they were kind of like coming up they were coming up with some really creative stuff um hopefully that happens again um they're 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 going to get to split their time with triple a the crash like i said and um possibly mlw with the azteca underground stuff that they're doing now um so independent wrestling as well so maybe they'll they'll get a little bit more of a we'll get to see a little bit more of a a good version of the ngd than what we were getting from cmll and you know it's funny because people are like oh now suddenly fredo's and all these other people are going to say that that ngd is good it's not that they weren't good it's that they were wrestling repetitive matches unless you guys really really like watching repetitive matches every single week watching the same match over and over again and are perfectly happy with that that's on you that's perfectly fine that's you enjoy that i don't enjoy watching the same match over and over again i like to see um, some stuff that looks at least a little bit different i mean it could be the same match you know once every couple of months i that's fine but like if they're doing that every single week or every other week it just gets very repetitive and very boring um and i i for one i i think that's the one thing that always like improve helps cmll is that whenever they don't really change unless it's done outside of their um, control so like ngd leaving kind of forced them to like scatter and come up with different matchups um you know the the whole situation with the Mexican national heavyweight title has kind of um, turned leads them to do something else, um, but it's not necessarily a good thing because you can't afford to lose guys who are in their twenties that easily. I mean, there's no like there's no real replacement for NGD right now within CMLL. Um, if you look at CMLL, a lot of the the newer talent they've been bringing in has been a lot of um, smaller guys. And they've been more uh, lightweights and they've been a more technicals. So we're not really seeing a lot of great heels coming in. There's not a lot of great Rudos right now in CML that are, you know, it's really like if you were looking at the young um, Rudos, NGD and Carvernario are really like the, the main guys who everybody talked about. Templario was the other one. I mean, when Templario came in, came in, I think he blew everything up just because he was so much better than everybody else and so different. Um, and now, you know, you lose NGD and suddenly it's pretty much... Um, Carvernario, Templario, maybe like a handful of other guys, but they got to figure out what they could do to improve um, the roster. Um, maybe switch some guys over, and I don't mean turning them relevos increíbles. They've been doing this bullshit relevos increíbles stuff nonstop to the point where now, like, I think they're gonna kill the whole um, the whole um, fantasy of the Rudos versus Technicos thing, much like it's happened in the United States, where you know you don't really the fans um don't necessarily cheer the people that the, the promotions want you to cheer. They don't cheer like the babyface. They'll cheer like the 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 the, the bad guy uh, for a long stretch of time that happened. But you know, it, it, in Mexico, you still have a big difference. It, you could do it every so often when you have one guy who's doing that. But when you have like the entire like an entire show where it's real levels increíbles two three matches that are real levels increíbles it kind of gets a little bit too repetitive um i hope they kind of at least make a different a change or something 
but you know, it's CMLL. I don't see it happening anytime soon, <laughs> especially with the guys in charge right now. I think it re- it would require somebody else coming in and just, you know, not necessarily like, I don't think, I don't, I think when people say that CML should change, they think they think you're going to want them to change, like do a t- complete turnaround and become AAA. I'm not saying they should become AAA or become WWE or something like that. I'm talking there's little things they could do where they could actually just improve the roster, um, elevate talent that deserves to be elevated. Right now, they kind of have the Cancerberos who like for so long were never properly util- utilized. And now they're probably used a little bit um like they're being like their place if if you're going to use them as a semi-main event or or the fourth match that's perfectly fine but if you're going to use them or even like a main event like in, in Puebla or on a Tuesday show that's fine but like when you're on a Friday show that's a little bit more um, difficult although I think as a trio I think you get away with it because you have Virus and the fact that it's a trio but I mean they're, these guys are so much older than everybody else now um, that's a problem honestly it's the age thing there's so many old wrestlers in CMLL and not enough um, and they're just letting the ta- younger guys go when they should really be focusing on, on, on developing the younger talent to take you know carry on the promotion as opposed to just letting them go and, and, and be um, you know some of the and, and you know it's not like these guys when they leave become huge stars I- I- internationally it's because obviously the timing of there being a pandemic, it's not helping. But these guys at least are getting more of a, you know, recognition. I mean, there is a huge difference to how people talk about someone like Aramis or Ares or, um, you know, some of the guys who didn't even really, you know, they, they went to AAA, but they were already starting to work independently as well. And then went to the U.S. before they became like a, before they kind of became bigger na- bigger names in AAA. They're kind of regarded in a different way. When you look at CMLL, you very rarely get a lot of talk about the CMLL guys. And I think that's something that they really have to figure out how to change that perception. Not just because it helps interna- like their, star- their wrestlers get better bookings internationally, but also because it also helps the promotion. The fact that they don't, they kind of shut themselves out of, out of all these promotions really hurts them. Um, and, and it's it's going to hurt their talent. And now you see like NGD leaving. Then you have Soberano Jr. kind of talking about how um, he places all the blame on, on Ultimo Guerrero and other people behind the scenes that are kind of causing the issues. And it's it, it, that's the sort of thing you really have to like kind of like get away from. Um, you really have to find a way to like kind of have a, a middle ground between all that because you can't really afford to lose Soberano Jr. too on the heels of NGD. That would be such a huge blow. He's not wrestling right now because he's injured, but losing him would be such a big blow besides already having lost Dragon Lee. And you know, that's the other thing. When Dragon Lee, when they let Dragon Lee go, he didn't want to leave. That was, the, that was the craziest thing. That I still think that might be the wildest thing just because he was booked on a show in the US that also featured AAA talent. I'm pretty sure they could have uh, they could have let it be known to PWG or whoever was in charge that Dragon Lee could not work with the with the AAA guy. They had so much talent on that, that show that I think they would have been fine with it. The fact that that became such a big deal. Um, and even then, I mean, the, the guys they bring in, it's not like they're bringing in um, Psycho Clown were, or, or, or La Parca back when he was in it, alive. That that type of wrestler that, you know, so is so synonymous with AAA that, oh, it becomes a big thing. Um, it even in coverage in Mexico, I don't think it, it doesn't mean as much as it used to. Like, honestly, like I think there's a big difference when you're looking at the 90s and the, the CML AAA um, battle at that time period. Nowadays, it's very different. 
Both promotions have completely different philosophies of what they want to be. CML is more of a local promotion, tourist attraction in within Mexico City, Guadalajara and Puebla. And whereas AAA is trying to be a, a worldwide promotion that, you know, has had some a lot of bumps on the road where they haven't really been able to achieve that that full level of being the the big promotion internationally joining WWE, New Japan, AEW, all those other promotions. They 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 they're having such a hard time reaching that next level of being that super, you know, being brought up with those promotions. I don't know. I just I just think I just think at this point in time CML just really needs to um come to terms rather than using this whole um mentality of like trashing everybody that is thinking everybody is against you when they're not i mean for the most part everybody that cover that watches lucha and reports on it we're all lucha fans we all love we all want cmll triple a um, the independent promotions we all want them to succeed we want them to do well the problem is these promoters they always somehow screw it up um, they always do something wrong um, we see it and, and you know I think AAA kind of at least realizes that they probably just, it's better just to stay quiet, not talk about it. They have not mentioned anything about the lawsuit. They've not said anything that, you know, there's a lot of stuff you could talk about in trashing AAA, but um, they've kind of gone the, the route of not saying anything. CMLL used to be like that when Paco Alonso was around, but now that he's not around, it kind of feels like it's the people that are underneath the Luderoff family, like Julio Cesar Rivera and all the, and all the wrestlers that are very pro- cmll as far as they're thinking um it's 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 them kind of like trying to trash everybody else when in reality i mean you got to be open and honest and there is no there is no positive when you lose uh, nueva generacion dinamita that easily three guys who were key members of your promotion who you should have been building around i think for the most part i think a lot of us thought that the next four or five years, we're going to probably see Atlantis Jr. Uh, kind of going, being going up against Nueva Generación Dinamita, um, a buildup to a mass match eventually with one of them against Atlantis Jr. And now that's not going to happen. So um, who knows how far that, how how that's going to work that work out? We could always get that later on, you know, in ten years. For whatever reason, all these guys who cover um, lucha get and, and are pro CMLL, they forget some of their favorite moments in CML history came from guys who came and went, who may have started in CMLL, left CMLL, came back to CMLL, and then had that big match, that big moment. It wasn't just like these guys. It's not this straight line of a career where it's just like, oh, they stay in one promotion. No, these guys, you know, for the most part, there's a lot of ups and downs as far as like like leaving promotions or like even their careers, like having peaks and valleys. Uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just weird to listen to these people like kind of like trash um, other people's opinions. Um, I think that's what bothered me most about the whole uh, covering CMLL with all the talent leaving. It's that these guys don't realize that that's actually bad. I mean, c- could you imagine? I would much rather have a promotion that has Nueva Generación Dinamita, uh, Super Astro Jr., um, Dragon Lee, Roosh, than have a promotion that has Dark Magic, Mysterioso Jr., Okum- Okumura, an undercard where the the lower tier guys are suddenly now possibly getting a shot at titles 
because there's nobody else in the promotion and they fans feel that they they need they need they they deserve an opportunity um some of them rightfully so others really you know they weren't very good to begin with and suddenly they have a shot at being on an anniversary show just because the promotion is so thin on talent um i don't know i just think i think and, and you know even like now with the talent that's left i think there's ways where cml can kind of like at least take a step back and kind of like just resolve figure out what they could do to fix the promotion um one of the things i really think they need to do is like at least get hechicero to start working uh more frequently i think that's the i think that's the one thing that all of us have been talking about just because i think he's one of the few guys as far as heels in the promotion that that kind of can um change the way guys work an entire card can change just because they all know hechicero is going to bring in his a game and i think that really changes it um, and then there's all there's so many other guys that so many other matchups that you could come up with that can be creative that you could actually like uh, pull off that might might add a little bit more to the promotion while um, you're kind of in a bit of a, a scramble mode right now with talent leaving. Um, the one I think the most interesting thing going on right now in CML is happening in Guadalajara. They're coming up with some creative um, matchups matchups not only the main events but the fact that they're bringing in guys from other parts other regions they were bringing in the guys from Querétaro and then recently they're bringing in guys from Matamoros I think they're guys that work for the Gemelos Diablos um, families um, promotion so we're seeing some of those guys I mean just the fact that they're bringing in new blood and just seeing like guys maybe somebody sticks maybe someone doesn't but some are good some are bad but at least you're getting something different something fresh I think that's something that CML needs to do and you know I think there's a way like if you could figure it out it's not like they're right now that there's they're still like not having to run too many shows and not having to fill out an entire card with just you know a bunch of trios matches um there's a way where you could actually come up with a with some creative um cards CML lineups where it will at least seem it'll just come across different just because of of the of, of what's been going on um i think i think that's something cml really should look at but like i said um ngd leaving huge blow i don't know i don't know if that's going to be something that they're going to be able to recover from within this year um honestly i know people are going to be like oh oh it's they have other talent but it's like nah i don't know you know you don't lose three guys like that and there's a way to do it but the fact that it's very difficult just because NGD, like they were there for six, seven years in CMLL and it took them, I mean, they were very quickly elevated to main event status, but the difference was that they were, for the for the most part, they were good. Um, Cuatrero was really good before he started getting a little too repetitive, but um, Sanson had charisma and Forastero, you know, a few hiccups early on and he started to improve and show that he could work. Um, so you just can't have that type of, that level of um, of talent leave um, it's a it's a it's a significant blow. I don't know I don't know how um, CML result fixes this. Um, they could do something like revive. I think the one thing they probably should do is probably revive the Infernalis just because even if it means bringing back Satanico, but um, just because losing a, 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 a or doing something like a, a trio that makes a little more sense that you could have a little bit more consistency of having them there. Um, they try to do this whole new Ingobernables and it just hasn't panned out just because Niebla Roja. Um, has been spending a lot of time in the United States and isn't available as much as he used to be. And I, I don't know if I don't know if a new Ingobernables really made sense for them. Maybe they need a they need a different type of um, trio just to like make it just to elevate just to make a little bit of a add a little bit more freshness to the cards. 
So now we get to Triple Mania 29, the recap. Um, I thought this was a good show. Um, there were a couple of matches that I wasn't really high on, and there was one that was really bad. But for the most part, I thought it was a good show. I don't think there was a really great standout match in this card. Um, if I had to say the best match for me on the show might have been the main event just because there was so much more um, involved as far as, you know, the crowd really being into it and the fact that they had a, this was probably the one match that had a little bit more of a storyline to it. And um, they kind of not only the storyline within what's been going on within AAA, but, you know, just the, the history behind Rayo Scorpion being Super Porky's last big rival going up against Psycho Clown who's out for revenge. Then you have the fact that um, Super Porky had just passed away. So this kind of meant a little bit more uh, as far as emotionally for fans just to be able to connect to it. But, you know, I think this that match along with the Omega Andrade and the the three-way tag match, I thought those were probably the best matches on the show. I think the one problem I have with AAA is the same one that I usually have is that they overbook a lot of stuff and there's always too much interference, um, too many uh, dumb things that go on that make no sense. I, I would think there would be some stuff that you would realize being a Lucha Libre promotion. It makes more sense not to do, but they still do it, which is kind of crazy. They kind of, I think they forget that, you know, it just it's just mind-boggling some of the stuff they do. But um, it, for the most part, I thought the show I thought the show was solid. I was glad that I was able to watch it. I didn't watch it live. For those of you who watched it live, it was streamed by the Cubs fan. Um, I think everybody should thank him <laughs> for actually doing that. First of all, finding the time and figuring out how to do it. I'm not that tech savvy enough to know the the how he did it, how he does all this stuff with the, with um, streaming services, uh, especially via Twitch. Um, I think if you explained it to me, I could probably understand it just because I am a little bit more aware of what some of the stuff, the inner workings of that stuff goes just because I do so much stuff online. But there's a lot of like the, the intricacies inside of it where, where if you ask me to explain it, I wouldn't be able to. But if somebody explains it to me, I could understand it. Um, but I think that was, um, I think that's what's really kind of, I honestly, uh, for the most part, if, if, if the Cubs fan doesn't do that, there's so much that we probably don't watch just because, um, and especially with Triple Mania, uh, with Triple A, with the lawsuit that's going on with them. Um, so you're really talking about, for the most part, we would not be watching any amount of Triple A right now. Um, zero right now, basically. Um, unless you were hoping that somebody else would do it. And honestly, when I've searched for stuff that's AAA related from the last, um, since this whole lawsuit started, and they've had to close their own YouTube channel, um, there's very little as far as recent um, stuff. It's basically the Cubs fan, what he posts, and then maybe like one or two other people might on occasion put something up, but then their their YouTube channel got kind of gets a strike and it disappears, and then you don't see it, or they'll have the video and it's not really particularly good video quality because they basically just get it one time and then like if, if it's stream live that's the one they're going to get if it's going to instead of like trying to figure out hey maybe this should, if they air it on tv i'll post the tv version just because um it'll be better quality and they don't do that so you kind of miss out on some of that stuff um you're going to have to deal with the whole um video quality audio issues 
um, stuff, technology, um, internet, you know, the whole, their internet dying and shit like that. So um, it's good that, that someone like the Cubs fan is around to do this stuff because um, otherwise we would not have AAA. And I think there would probably be a couple of CML shows that we wouldn't be watching just because um, he's, he's the one that actually does that. Um, hopefully this never happens to CML. Otherwise, we're pretty much devoid. We're going to be stuck watching IWRG, all of us, those Thursday shows, unless we sign up to the premium, um, Masalucha premium service. And I don't know if, how many people have actually signed up to that just because um, they really would do... You know, that's the thing. Like So many of these promotions and, and people within wrestling thought it was a bright idea to start new projects during a pandemic. I think Maslucha started their premium service um, right around the time that the the pandemic started. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking. They probably should have held off that for at least another year or two. They make enough off of their YouTube channel where they, they don't. I don't think they need. They needed that premium service, and now they're pretty much. I mean, the premium service. I mean, I don't really see that. They they don't. I don't see them promote a lot of um, shows that they're exclusive to that. Um, because first of all, you're going to have to pay the, the promoters as well. And I don't think that's kind of something that they really want to do because then you're splitting on pro- in profits and, you know, that leads to other issues and it's a mess. But um, I think we should all just be glad that Cubs fan was around to do this because otherwise we would not be watching Triple Mania. Um, those of you who watched it live, I think it ha- it was on a Saturday. So I was out. I think I was out at, oh, I went to my uh, brother-in-law's uh, father's birthday party which we left early just because there were so many people showing up. Um, we were like, yeah, this is, we were there when there was maybe like like less than 100 people. And then like there was, as it started adding more and more people, um, we kind of just decided we had to go. I think our, our you know, because we were outdoors. It wasn't an indoor thing. It was an outdoor thing. So um, we were able to get a table and stay separate from everyone. But as more people started showing up, um, it kind of became a bit of a, a concern. So um, we decided to go home. Um, I wasn't really thinking about watching Triple Mania. Um, I've had, in the past, I've had to like, I've had to pass on going to play just because I felt the need to watch Triple Mania live and this year at least I would have been okay with it because it was actually good and there's been a I think the last couple of years it's been pretty good where I, I, I could find an excuse to actually watch it live and not feel bad that oh I, I turned something else down um, but there was actually I think the year that they did the Vianos versus Psycho Circus um, trios match which was a pretty bad Triple, triple Mania um, that match was really awful that year I think Superboy had a had a birthday party and I missed out on that and um, I I have not heard the end of it <laughs> let's just put it that way um, so I thought Triple Mania like I said was good I think the one thing like I said if, if they just cut back on interference and the same the same stuff that they do all the time um, with Hijo de Tirantes I think the show would be would have been so much better unfortunately they can't they can't stop themselves from doing it and it really I think it kind of like it kind of turned off uh, some of the matches for me as far as like being something that was even better like I said I don't think there was a single match that I thought was like a match of the year candidate just the I think the highest thing that I, I saw Meltzer give um, a couple of things four stars and I'm like I don't think those matches were four stars even in even if you go back in um and, you know, maybe it's four stars now because he's viewing it from this current um, thing. But, like, I don't think, like, I think he gave, he used to give um, three stars to matches that were way better on, on WCW Nitro um, that were, like, Juventud Guerrero versus um, Kidman and stuff like that. And those matches were way better than anything that happened on, on Triple Mania. 
Um, I'm going to be honest. I, I don't think there was anything that came close to that. Um, so if you watch some of those um, really good cruiserweight matches that Dave Meltzer gave maybe three, three and a quarter stars or three and a half stars, um, nothing was as good as that. Nothing was as good as that on this show. I just thought it was, I just thought the, 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 the peak matches were just, you know, good. It wasn't anything that, that I would say, oh, go out of your way to watch. It was memorable. So the opening match was the Marvel Lucha Libre match that had Arachno, Estrella, Cosmica, Leyenda Americana beating Picadura Letal, Terror Purpura, and Venenoid. They were actually just having their match. I thought this was a good match to open up, not the level of some of those crazy opening matches they used to have in, on, on, on AAA shows. Um, they've kind of toned that down lately. I don't know. I don't know if it. I'm trying to think of it. I can't remember the last couple of big shows, but I think for the most part, the last big shows haven't really had that big because I think I think they did the Marvel opener as well at the last um, big show. I think it might have been the well Triple Mania. And I don't. I don't think I watched Ray the Reyes actually. Um, I or I. I can't remember the opener from Ray the Reyes, um, but um, that that for the most part hasn't been like the the big. Um, the big blow away opening match that they used to have that where you're just talking about, whoa, this was crazy. This was amazing. Might have not been the best match on the show, but you just thought it was crazy and wild and loved it. This was just a, an okay, good match. Um, they had a, a um, El Furioso, who is the Hulk, uh, made the save for the heroes and helped them get the win. Um, after the match ended, El Engañoso, who is Loki, appeared on the video screen and poked fun at all the heroes. Um, so they're basically bringing in more... Um, more heroes and villains into the Marvel Lucha Libre world. I actually think this is perfectly fine, and I actually dig this. If this becomes one of the 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 the, the matches, like if they do an ang- angles with this stuff on their show, I think this is great. I think this is a like it's kind of like it kind of feels like one of those multi multiverse type of things, where you have AAA proper, you know, with all the all the AAA talent and and their 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 storylines, the the weirdness of their storylines, and then they do something like this with the Marvel Lucha Libre um, characters. I think that's actually pretty cool. Um, I I kind of hope they kind of improve the the quality of what they're doing with them because um, they had Arachno, who's Spider Man, kind of do a. a he was kind of like coming down the from from the from the you know on this um on this wire and but it, it, it he had to slow down every couple of seconds so it didn't look nearly as cool as i think they wanted it to look like um but better for them to be safe and look that way people kind of get the idea that hey that's what you're trying to do personally i wouldn't have done it just there's ways to like make him look cool without doing that stuff um but like I said, if, if they actually do this where it's like their own little storyline and it's one match on, on every big show and even like on their on their TV tapings, if they want to do that and ha- have storylines and stuff like that, I think it's great. I think it, it adds something to AAA as far as the promotion. It gives them, you know, that could be focused on by the by whoever's handling the Marvel Lucha Libre matches and what they want to do with that. And then you have the other stuff that's just the AAA stuff. I think that's perfectly fine. After that, we had Mr. Iguana beating Carta Brava Jr. to win the Copa Bardal, or this is pretty much the Copa Triple Mania. Um, I think there was about 11 and, or 12 participants. There was a couple of guys who just did run-ins. Among the other participants were Mysticis Jr., Aramis, Tito Santana, Nino Hamburguesa, Drago, Pimpinela Scarlata, Argenis, Viano Tercero Jr., Mochocota Jr., and Mamba, um, Parca Negra, and, and um, Superfly, I think, were the ones that ran in and attacked people during the match i thought this match was okay the over the top rule thing i don't know why they keep doing that it makes no sense i don't see the point in doing it because 
it even led to one of the funniest memes that I saw was um was Mil Mascaras. Um, they made a comparison to Mil Mascaras when he w- was eliminated when he eliminated himself from the Royal Rumble by doing a dive to the outside, and then they had Ar- Aramis who did the same thing in Copa Bordal doing the same thing, and it's just a picture back to side by side, and then um, LA Park kind of talking about how you shouldn't win. Um, Copa, any Copa Triple Mania or Copas, any Copas in, on, on a Triple Mania show because it usually leads to a run, you getting attacked and um, and Mr. Iguana made a joke about how he now he knows why Aramis eliminated himself from that from that uh, match um, I thought that was actually kind of uh, I think that's, to me they, they had the ideal thing for them in that Aztec Warfare concept that they had for Lucha Underground I think they should have brought that in for Triple A's um, for their Copas the 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 pin by eliminated by pinfall or submission i think that makes more sense um that way you allow these guys to do dives and and make it a little bit more exciting especially when you have rma's mysticies jr drago and and a few other guys on in this that actually do dives (laughs) and would have been a little bit more entertaining um octagon jr also got involved he was on commentary for a bit of time and then he got involved when i think um i think it went i don't know if it was when la parka Negra and Superfly ran in. It was about that time, and I think he also came in when um, NGD debut uh, made their appearance. Um, after the match, NGD um, appeared and attacked Mr. Iguana. They had their whole. They already had a a, a video of 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 their of them being in AAA and also like the, the music. They they did an, a remix of the of their of their of the of the song they used in CMLL. So they were, you know, this was already planned well in advance. I would guess they were already in talks with C- with AAA at least two months prior to this, um, and maybe kind of finalizing the agreement by by a month, uh, because there's no there's no way this was something that was going to be um, one day to the, one within one week. And the fact that CMLL caught on so quickly, I get the feeling um, Sanson Cuatro Forastero decided to leave on um, on a good note from CMLL and kind of told gave them a heads up that they were leaving. And CML, they let CMLL kind of be the ones to, um, to you know, send out the statement rather than them just show up all of a sudden. Um, I think there was probably that possibility that they could have shown up with the with their t- trios titles, and they didn't do that. I think it's I think there's there's a certain way of doing it where you're gonna want to keep business open, and I think they did the right way. They did it the right way. Um, now, I mean, if there's still more trash talking. Be- there wasn't as much trash talking about NGD. Um, it's been more about Diamante Azul than anything else from the CML side. NGD, they've kind of like, you know, they left. They're not going to make a big deal about it. They've moved on. Um, there was also talk that um, Conan wanted to get Sofia Alonso on the show, which or AAA wants to get Sofia Alonso at some point to like be like part of the whole Impresa angle, I guess. Um, I don't know if that's. I don't see that happening just because um, Paco Alonso was really the one that had the most heat with. Um, with Antonio Pena and AAA, so and she's that's her dad. So I, I think she would full, she would con, con, continue on her dad's um, wishes. Um, I think I think I think more likely if she ever did something out of wrestling, she'd probably do it elsewhere and not necessarily um, with AAA. Um, I would that would be a little bit too weird, uh, honestly. Um, but after they attacked Mr. Iguana. Aramis Octagon Jr. went in and tried to make the save. They got attacked as well. Um, then Poder del Norte came in and had a face-off with NGD before they were eventually attacked by La Empresa, uh, Puma King, Diamante Azul, and Sam Adonis. La Empresa then um, offered NGD the, the Impresa t-shirts, and it looks like they might actually be joining that group. 
which would automatically suddenly elevate that group um, as far as who they're who they have as part of their promotion. Um, I don't know if that's going to be something they're going to want to um, be a, a big significant part of that because they're already you know their own trio, their own group. Although they did say in their video that they actually planned on having more people um, join the Dinamitas. Um, so there's a possibility we might actually see more people join. Um, I don't know if they mean like like joining another group or they're going to start their own um, like a faction of Dinamitas, maybe bring in um, some of their other relatives. Who knows? I mean, I mean when Mascareño Dos Mil says he has his his whole um, his tagline is um, the the father of more than fifth of more than twenty. Um, you never know. Maybe there are more kids. But that was actually a really good um, angle. Um, right away, you get Poder de Norte versus NGD, which are pretty much two of the bigger um, trios of the past five years, seven years in, in, in Lucha Libre. So I think that's going to be a, a very interesting um, feud. Uh, Poder del Norte really tends to bring out the best out of other trios. So this should be a fun, fun trios um, feud. I could see that being... Um, First of all, that's probably going to be the first feud that NGD is going to have where they're going to actually have to, you know, it's going to be a brawl and a lot of possibly bleeding in their matches. Um, they weren't doing that in CMLL, so it's going to be a big difference for them. Um, so, but it's really going to be interesting. I, I also look forward to possibly even like NGD going up against um, Hijo de Vikingo, um, Loretto Kid, uh, Mysticis Jr., Octagon Jr., and those type of guys just because they have, a, they have that fit with them. That's really where they were um, best the, the guys they worked best with were the guys like that. The problem with CML is that they started kind of putting that, like a lot of those guys that were that good were starting to leave or getting a little too old to do a lot of that stuff. So um, it became a little bit more difficult for that to happen in CMLL. Um, but, you know, it should be fun. It should be an entertaining, um, like I said, there, there's so many people out there now on the independent scene that, that are available. And CML kind of closing the doors on those guys makes it very difficult and makes it easier for AAA to just cherry pick who they want as far as big angles, um, big storylines that they want to do. Maybe um, it makes more sense for, you know, they're, they're going to do, they're going to have, NGD is going to do well. That's basically what I'm saying. I don't know about what they'll do as far as um, outside of AAA, if they're going to succeed there out, outside. But with tri these, th starting off with Pelé de Norte should be a fun um, rivalry. After that match, we had the women's match, which ended up being Diona Perrazzo beating Fabi Apache to win the AAA Reina the Reina's title. Um, the Impact Knockouts title was also on the line. Lady Maravilla was Diona, Diona Perrazzo's um, second, and and Lady Shani was Fabi Apache's second. Um, Hijo de Tirantes and Lady Maravilla got involved a lot in this match um, and helped Perrazzo beat Fabi. Um, this match, I mean... I don't know how many times I think this is like the it's it's probably has to be 10 years that we've been going through the whole Hijo de Tirantes doesn't get along with Fabi Apache and they always do this. I think one of these years they really have to do an angle where Hijo de Tirantes is the referee for a Triple Mania match for Fabi or a, whatever big show that she's a part of. And what they got to do is they got to like have him be introduced at the referee and then Fabi kind of demand that he get tossed out as the referee and bring in a different referee. And let that be something completely different because I think that's one thing that they really should do. Um, obviously, she was going to drop the title to Perrazzo, but maybe like in a rematch, maybe do that just because, oh God, how many times can we have Hijo de Tirantes um, and the Fabi Apache stuff go on and on? Um, there were moments in this match where I didn't think it was that bad, um, but the match was awful. I thought I, I, I think they didn't click at, at all. 
Um, you could see a little bit of Perazzo that she has talent and she can actually, she's pretty good. But um, it just felt like it was so um, slow and it was kind of like every time you kind of thought there was going to be a little bit more of a buildup to it, um, there would be an interference spot or, or Hijo de Tirantes would do something and it kind of just, it just really drove me mad and it wasn't something that I really, really, I did not enjoy this match. Um, really one of the, probably definitely one of my least favorite matches and you know the sad thing is that this continues a tradition of um women's wrestling in mexico where uh, women's matches get big um opportunities and they kind of get screwed over because either you know the officiating or you know like in triple a's case it's usually the officiating or there's one bad apple in in the match that doesn't want really want to have a good match or in cml's case there's um, dallas involved in the match and it just doesn't work out at all um but you know if it doesn't involve if it i i don't know i i just think there's there's ways of improving um these matches this this should not be an ongoing thing all the time um hopefully that's something that they can they they do at least once where it's like suddenly there's no hijo de tirantes in this match they could always put him into another one one of the matches where he's not going to interview interfere too much after that we got the three-way tag match as phoenix and pentagon jr beat hijo del vikingo and Loretto Kid and Taurus, whose mystery partner ended up being Brian Cage. Um, the rumor, or actually the, the story being told by, um, I know Rob Viper mentioned it on, on the Como Estas podcast with the Cubs fan, um, and also Cubs fan said Conan mentioned it as well. So um, they both they both obviously knew. Um, they probably even told each other or whatever. They talked or they, they knew. <laughs> Somewhere along the line, they both knew. Um, well, obviously Conan knows why, but um, Dragon Lee... Dragon Lee was supposedly going to be the surprise tag team partner for Taurus, which I thought would have made this match a lot better. Um, Cage, I thought Cage and Taurus actually looked good as a tag team. Um, if they actually ever wanted to go back to that, that would actually be fine just because um, I thought I think Cage fits more in a Lucha Libre type of match than he does necessarily in when he's trying to be the, the, the big muscular guy who can who's very athletic and works in the U.S. and does um, and he's working against somebody who's smaller and when he should really be the big guy, kind of like he could do something spectacular but not make it all him being spectacular. You know what I mean? Like it's a little bit, um, you know, it's just it's just really um, it's just a matter of just finding a balance on what you're doing during during a match against a certain opponent. And there were times where like in Lucha Underground where. Um, I thought maybe he sh- he should have been a little bit more of a of the big badass guy that could break stuff. Remember when they were when Lucha Underground started? They basically did they did that one um, skit where um, a bunch of thugs attacked Brian Cage and nothing would stop him. Like they would hit him with with um, with boxes or whatever or those some um, crates and nothing was knocking him down. That's what he should be. That's what he should be against certain people. But in Lucha Libre, he could get away with being very athletic because you know there's always gonna you know there's gonna be guys who could do a little more than he can. So he's he's able to not come across completely just being an athlete, an athletic guy because he could also do a lot of um, power moves and he could be a bit more of a badass. Um, and he in this match, I thought he did that well. And you know he teamed up with Torres and Torres pretty much is is a badass uh, on it on his own. Um, I don't know why they had um, Hijo de Vikingo <laughs> get pinned. Um, I think that's the one thing, um, especially when they're high on him and he's the one guy that they kind of want to start elevating. Um, of all the guys, they probably could have had um, Torres do take the loss, um, especially since he's not really the, you know, because they were basically, I mean, if you're going to double team, you could have had Loretto Kid 
take the loss, honestly. Um, there's, it wasn't like it was a, it was a clean pin anyways, cause it was a double team pin. Um, but you know, I, I kind of felt Ijo Vikingo should have been, and honestly, I think Ijo Vikingo and and um, and Loretto Kid should have won the tag titles, because then you could have done something where later down the road, you could have a rematch, or you could actually have them work against some foreign tag team that comes in um, against them, and then eventually go back to the the Lucha Brothers or you know another tag team. Um, I think that would have made a little bit more sense to me, just because I also think you gotta you kind of have to like switch Phoenix and Penta to something else. Um, but like I think the the idea is that they want to have for whatever reason they want to have guys who aren't part of the promotion all the time holding the titles. Um, and you know I thought like I said I thought this was a good match. Ijo Vikingo always always impresses, always entertains. Um, Lucha Brothers are always fun to watch. Um, this 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 entire just this match had a lot of. Um, Everybody on this, it, it was so good that I it was enjoyable. Um, after that, we get the Impresa versus Team AAA uh, match, which was DMT, Azul, Puma King, and Sam Adonis beating Chessman, Murder Clown, and Pagano. Basically, this ends with Pagano and Chessman getting into a fight, and then La, La Impresa took advantage of this to get the win. Um, Diamante Azul, I think, sent uh, Pagano through a table, and then um, I think I think it was either I think it was Puma King that pinned um that pinned um Chessman because if I'm not mistaken I think Sam Adonis did a dive to the outside <laughs> onto someone um onto Murder Clown I think um uh, but it was uh, this match um I, I I didn't think it was that good um you know what this what happened during this match if you watch this there are if you if you're wondering what Diamante Azul was like now that he left CML and is now in AAA, he's pretty much the same wrestler. Uh, you still have those confusing moments where he has no idea what he's doing and nobody else knows what the fuck he's doing. So then there's like these pauses and even his partners are just looking at him like, what? Like they, they're not sure what he's going to do. And, you know, he does whatever he wants and it's kind of like a like a bit of a wild card type of thing. And um, the only difference is that he's not really good. So it doesn't, it just makes it look even worse. Um, I thought this was probably the second worst match on the card. Um, nothing really came out of it um, other than La Empresa getting the win just to like continue the whole storyline. Um, I think if they're going to have NGD be part of the group, it strengthens it. Um, one of the things I kind of, I'm curious about is maybe they add one more person and maybe like down the road, they do like a, I don't know if any, how many of you guys remember, but um, some of the old um, Japanese promotions when they would do interpromotional feuds, like within promotions, like the UWF versus New Japan, feud and then like even like the the faction wars in michinoku pro and i think even toriumon did it um they would do five on five matches so they would have like five singles matches um or like they would do five matches like you know like and like a trios or a tag and but but for the most part they did five versus five i think um, triple a should do a show like that like just have a a five versus or you know within their car a card have a five versus five match like where you know you could do the whole rivalry triple a versus la empresa i'm i don't know like for whatever reason all these prom- i'm surprised conan has a conan must not have never watched any japanese wrestling because you know i always enjoyed that stuff like even like the even like when they did the nwo i don't think they really did that um but i always used to enjoy that like if you go back and watch the new japan versus uwf feud um they did the they did a five versus five match so basically they, the all five guys you know five guys from each side would be you know 
outside, but they would have matches. And then as the match went on, guys would get eliminated. Kind of a torneo cibernetico. But usually, like, once that match ended, the guy would move and, you know, he would win. You know, the other guy would lose and they would continue on. But it would basically be five matches. It wasn't, like, um, continuing on till somebody finally, there's one guy left. It was more like the fifth guy had to determine the, the win. So basically, they would tie it up four you know the four matches would end up two two and then the final one would be to determine who wins the the the, the that that series and i think i think they i think they should do that i don't know like i i i always enjoyed that stuff but yeah i i wasn't very high on this match maybe they should do that next time <laughs> uh, maybe i would enjoy that a little more um after that we got the big um triple a world mega heavyweight title match as kenny omega beat andrade um, prior to the match, Conan wanted to talk strategy with Andrade because he was at that point in time still thinking he was going to be Andrade's second. Um, I think he was in on AEW and was kind of hyping that stuff as well. Um, but then Andrade told him that he had someone bigger scheduled for him to be in his corner. And, um, you know, one of the funny things is that there was, um, I don't know if anybody saw this, but on Twitter, Maximo and and Roosh had kind of teased the possibility of being in Triple Mania. I think they did that. Obviously, Maximo did it for Psycho Clown. And then, um, you know, Roosh probably did it for more so for Andrade. And that kind of like led to this thing where everybody was wondering who was going to be a second. Um, Conan instead decides to go over and talk to Kenny Omega and make him an offer. And Kenny Omega, he ends up going be, being Kenny Omega's second. Uh, Michael Nakazawa and Don Callis were not available, so Conan took over as Kenny Omega's second. And then um, Andrade came out with his future uh, father-in-law. I think they're, I don't think Charlotte and him are married yet, uh, but Ric Flair a- accompanied him to the ring, and I think that was that got more publicity than anything else from Triple Manias. I saw that trending nonstop for about twenty-four hours um, Saturday. To all the way um, to about maybe early Sunday, um, and then that was really what a lot of people were talking about: the fact that Ric Flair had made his appearance on AAA, which led to a lot of people wondering if he if this was the first time he had actually been in one of the top promotions in Mexico, and it actually was because he never appeared for EMLL, CMLL, or UWA, and this became like a like a big deal for the for for um, AAA. Unfortunate that they couldn't use that to like actually promote themselves internationally because of the lawsuit. They can't do that stuff. Um, they did on their their social media. Like, I think I think their Twitter is the only thing that that's visible to the U.S. I'm not really sure. Um, I'm not sure their Facebook is visible to us. I think the Facebook. I think some of it might be, but not like the videos and stuff like that. Um, but um, this was something that they definitely could have used. And I think that's the thing. The difference between AAA and CML. AAA kind of sees this as an opportunity, like you know make themselves a bigger deal whereas cmll the times that they've had the opportunity to bring in a big name they don't they act like they don't know who it is or they don't know who it is and they don't really bring them in because they don't look at the value of what that person can actually bring to the as far as um drawing people in and um getting a lot of publicity and flirt got that for triple a the funny thing is that uh i think i think i said 24 hours he was trending um i think there was another couple of hours he was trending not because of triple triple mania but because there was a a, a photo of a of an of an older gentleman going down on a woman in in a on a bus uh, inside a bus no inside a train it was inside a train um and that was like somebody pointed out that some so whoever took the picture posted is this rick flair or something and that became like the that was trending for like a long stretch of time and and for whatever reason, um, 
the first thing I said is like, you know, Ric Flair, you know, there's so many athletes and entertainers who deny that. But you know, Ric Flair is definitely not going to deny that. And sure enough, Ric Flair did not deny that. And I thought that was hilarious. Uh, He was probably like, hey, I'll take the publicity for that. Uh, But, you know, that was basically the other reason he was trending during over the weekend. Uh, But um, I thought this was a good match. I don't think it stood out as well, as much as the Dragon Lee, Loretto Kid, or Phoenix matches that that Kenny Omega had, um, which I don't think I don't really think it's so much Andrade's fault. I think a lot of people are kind of placing the blame on Andrade not being at that level. Um, I think the reason it probably didn't come off that way is also because they were kind of trying to do more of a a storyline type of thing, um, obviously involving the seconds, um, whereas previously you really didn't. I mean, you had people kind of get involved, but it wasn't like, you know, it was still more of a more of an athletic group of guys getting involved. It wasn't Conan with hip replacement surgery getting involved and you making sure the guy doesn't get hurt or Ric Flair, who's had um, health issues um, recently and him getting hurt. So you kind of have to work around that stuff. So um, I, I thought they I thought they still had a good match, not necessarily a great match. Um, does this mean I think less of Andrade? Um, I think the problem I have with Andrade is that he really needs to get um I think he needs to get booked and work with guys like Phoenix, Pentacero M, um Loretto Kid, you know, just to get back into into the thick of things of being a, a, a fun luchador, kind of see what these guys are doing now. Um Hijo de Vikingo, guys like that just because um Dragon Lee, another one, uh, Bandito. Um, just because I think he needs to like start getting back into the rhythm of what he was before he went to WWE and got um short circuited. With all these um the 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 their philosophy of what a, what makes a good wrestler, and you know the finish of it, of course, being Omega using the belt, um to win the and 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 knocking out Andrade to win the win to retain the title. Um, there was a lot of um news about this. Um, the Observer mentioned that at one point initially AEW wanted Kenny Omega to retain the title. Um, while AAA was thinking that they were going to like switch it at this point in time and have Andrade win it so they could go from Andrade to s- an, somebody like from AAA, prob- most likely Psycho Clown. Um, and they ended up not doing doing that. The, the, then then uh, I guess I guess from, triple, from, from AEW's point of view, they wanted Kenny Omega to at least have more than one title. And he had just dropped his title, the, the Impact title, to... Um, to Christian Cage, Christian Cage to Christian. Um, does he even wrestle as Christian Cage? And I think he does when he's on when he's not in in in, um, in WWE. Um, that's the old name, I th- man. That's like his fucking like when you first started name. Um, you know, it, it's like it's like when when um, for the longest time when when um, Chris Zellner would send me lucha reports and he constantly kept referring to El Terrible as Damien El Terrible. And he hadn't used that name in 10 years. And I was like, but I still kept it on there. I was like, man, I'm going to keep it on there. I think I stopped after a while just because I wanted to differentiate um, the Lucha Report from what he was sending to everyone else to what I, I was posting on, on, on Lucha World. But uh, every once in a while, you have one wrestler that if you've seen him for like the longest time, it's like you still refer to him by his previous name. Like Andrade, sometimes I'll still call him La Sombra. Um, but yeah, like he dropped like... Omega dropped the title to Christian, um, the Impact title to Christian. So then um, they kind of still wanted him to have an, a, another world title just to keep the, it going. 
Then when they got Ric Flair, then the story was that Kenny Omega, when, when he found out Ric Flair was going to be in Andrade's corner, he kind of thought it would be cool if he dropped it to Andrade because Ric Flair was there and it became a big deal. It would become a bigger deal. Um, and, then, and then apparently Dorian Roldan nixed it and decided that he preferred Kenny Omega holding the title a little bit longer. Um, the belief was that there might have been a possible, a, a like, there was, there was a, a feeling that he hadn't really um, reached an agreement with Andrade for an upcoming um, uh, appearance, so um, they hadn't agreed on on what the whether or not he would appear again. So to him, it was easier just to keep it on Kenny Omega and make sure that he came in. Um, I don't know if he's going to drop it to whoever he does next. Um, there's rumors that it would be Jodvikingo. Um, others think it'd be Psycho Clown. Um, I don't know if you could actually possibly have Io Vikingo's champion. I think it would be cool, but um, the fact that he's so he's so much smaller than um, I think people would just. I mean, for the most part, I think a lot of the the old guard in Lucha Libre would just like ridic- get very um, worked up about him being a, a world champion, um, especially it being a world mega championship. Um, but I think I think it's very different. I think to me, like you have to view wrestling the way. Um, it has been evolving the last couple of years. You know, Rey Mysterio became a WWE champion. I mean, I don't see why. Um, I think if, if it's not a weight class type of title, it's perfectly fine for that guy to win the title. I think that's what's kind of like holding back CMLL also because their world heavyweight title sticks to that heavyweight title. And that's basically all. That's the main title. And, you know, it has to be there. They're basically having um, to create heavyweights. Um, Atlantis Jr. being a heavyweight, that's still mind-boggling. I'll talk about it later on on this podcast. But um, I thought it was a cool um, appearance of Ric Flair. Um, the match, like I said, was good. I, 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 I kind of I'm okay with the direction they're going with Kenny Omega being champion. Um, I think if it leads to Kenny Omega versus Ijo Vikingo or even Psycho Clown, I think that, or even both, because, I mean, you don't know. He could maybe, like, retain it against Ijo Vikingo and then finally build it up to, you know, Ijo, you know, Psycho Clown. Next Triple Mania could be Psycho Clown versus Kenny Omega for the for that belt. I think that would be perfectly fine. I mean, if, if they want to keep it on him for another year, I mean, we don't know what the situation is right now with the pandemic. Triple um, A isn't in any rush to, like, they're not running as many shows as they used to. Um, they're still doing a lot of um, limited capacity shows, so it's like, why, why, why rush it right now when you don't really need to? Um, finally, the main event: Psycho Clown beat Ray Scorpion to win his hair. Um, I thought this was kind of uh, this was a good match. Um, the intros I thought were fun with Psycho Clown coming in with um, Goya Kong and his two sons. Um, his two sons and him wearing um, um, Bra- um, Brasso's gear. Um, Brasso de Plata gear so it kind of looked it looked cool they were honoring him and I thought that was really a cool thing to see um, Rey Scorpion was accompanied by Los Mercenarios La Yedra Taras and his brother El Samoano who I guess is probably going to take over um, Tejano Jr.'s spot if if um, if they're going to keep it a four-man crew for the Mercenarios uh, uh, of course I don't think he's going to be wrestling as frequently as you know probably be more of a guy who kind of interferes or or works in trios matches, but not necessarily a, be the part of the tag team in a tag match or stuff like that. I would think if they were going to have them be a tag team, it'd probably be Ray Scorpion and Taurus as the tag team, or or even Ray Scorpion and La Yedra as a tag team, um, and not necessarily some Samoano. I thought this was a good match. They did do the blood. They did. They did. 
they did blood. Um, I think that was one of the other things that happened with the the Impresa the um, Team AAA match is the fact that Pagano couldn't do blood. And um, I think the only thing Pagano really did was that one spot where he nearly killed himself <laughs> doing a doing a topic on Hiro to the outside. Uh, he nearly he he all, he he barely got past the ring apron, and um, but um, with with um, this match having blood, I thought I thought they they. they they wisely didn't allow Pagano to do some of the crazy stuff that he does. Um, this, I thought, was a good match. Um, I wasn't a fan of the finish just because I don't really see the point. Goya Kong turning on uh, on Psycho Clown um, didn't really prevent him from, didn't really lead to anything to him losing to Ray Scorpion. He was able to pull off the win. But I don't really see the point in having Goya Kong turn on him. Like, if it was Maximo, I could see it because you could always do Maximo versus Psycho Clown um, because it's guy versus guy but psycho clown goya kong i don't know what 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 would it lead to it wouldn't lead to anything honestly like i don't really know um other than them doing storyline type of stuff and her maybe aligning herself with somebody to like go against psycho clown but other than that i don't really see how how it would actually necessarily have helped um and it also didn't help the fact that towards the end basically ray scorpion and psycho clown were were showing each other respect as far as what they did in the match um i know they're going to have an a, a they already had their next, um, the next big, um, not a not a triple A show, but uh, one of their house shows, or um, it's going to be Psycho Clown versus Ray Scorpion um, as the main event, and you know they usually do that because they kind of want that to be like the that continues on for at least a month or two, um, but hopefully they start. Um, setting up somebody else for Psycho Clown. Like I said, I think, I think they really should start setting up Psycho Clown, um, not necessarily being the next challenger to um, to Kenny Omega, but maybe him getting into feud with somebody that kind of eventually that guy leads to him going up against Kenny Omega um, or whoever's going to be the the world champion by the time this happens, or eventually if Kenny has to drop the title, um, it makes more sense for them to do that. But like I said, personally, I would like to see them do, like I could, I could see them totally doing um, hijo del vikingo versus Kenny Omega, and then maybe follow that up with, with Kenny Omega versus Psycho Clown. That would actually be pretty, pretty um good. So Triple Mania for the for the most part, like I said, good. Um, I recommend if I if I if you had to watch something from it, watch the 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 three way tag. The Ray Scorpion Psycho Clown match and the Andrade Kenny Omega match. Everything else I thought was kind of just a, a an okay type of match. Nothing too memorable. Um, but those three matches I thought were good. Um, if you're looking for something that's just great, out, blow you out, out, blow your mind. Um, none of these were really at that level. But yeah, I still thought it was a fun show. It was entertaining. So now we go on to some CMLL news. Um, they recently made the announcement for their upcoming big shows. Um, of course, the what's been a over almost eighteen month long wait for the much anticipated hair match between Felino and Carvernario will be happening on September seventeenth. Um, that's when they will be holding Dos Leyendas. They'll be also honoring Salvador Luteroth and Sangre Chicana. But um, the main event will be Felino versus Carvernario in a hair match, uh, a match that I don't think anybody really cares enough about to really watch uh i'd be curious to see if cml announces some sort of deal for the, both the shows just to see if they could get um some interest in that dos leyenda show that you know people will order it 
um, besides only ordering the anniversary. And even the anniversary, I don't know how many people are going to want to order to order that because um, both match, both shows are questionable as far as people wanting to see them. The roster has kind of gotten a little weaker and it's going to be a little bit of a while for them to actually be able to put together a even like a makeshift group that people want to see. It's kind of going to be a little bit difficult for the time being. But um, Dos Leyendas, Felino versus Carvernario was supposed to happen in March 2020, but the pandemic hit and um, they are doing it now. I would assume Felino is going to be the one taking the loss um, to continue Carvernario being the big uh, pushed wrestler. Um, Carvernario missed a long stretch of time last year. Um, I think he got hurt during like during some of the early tapings of the of the CML when they started re, um, taping shows. Um, and then he missed like I think I think he was out for like six to eight months or something with an injury. So and also he was finishing I think he was finishing up school also. Um, he's an accountant. So uh, he hasn't really looked I've seen a few um, highlight videos and he hasn't looked in great shape. Um, Felino pretty much hasn't just because of age of course and you know that's just going to hit you no matter what. And you add in the pandemic, it just leads to a little more of an issue. But that will be the Dos Leyendas main event. Um, they haven't announced the rest of the card. But what they did announce was that the 88th anniversary show will be happening on September 24th. And once again, much like last year, they are going to do a championship, night of champions with um, only this time there will be five championship matches. Fans will get to vote on who will be the per, the people challenging for those titles. And they've already made a big change in that, uh, which we will talk about at the end because I think that might end up being the big main event. But um, they announced the five matches and the five titles. The first title announced was that the La Jarochita and Yuvia would be defending the Mexican National Women's Tag Team titles um, on that show. The list of challengers included Dallas teaming up with Stephanie Backer. Um, Dark Silhouette and Reina Isis teaming up, Princesa Suhey and La Guerrera, and um, the last team involved is the legendary um, legendary luchadores of CMLL being Marcella and Amapola, longtime rivals teaming up. Um, they teamed up during the pandemic as um, I think it was like a dream match um, where it was like a Relevos Increíbles, um, and I guess this time they want to do it again only for this. Uh, it'd be interesting. Um, unfortunately, the fans aren't voting for them in droves. Amapola um, has no social media, so she's automatically not going to get any votes because fans are not following her. Uh, and there's th pretty much the fan voting has been driven by a lot of the the, the whoever has a lot of a, a strong social media um, following. They're the ones that are going to get way more votes than the other ones that don't have it. And Amapola has none. Marcella has a little, but I mean, you're talking about two women that are well over 40 years old that aren't going to, like, I think they're well past their primes. Um, both of them can still go every so often, but they're not really at the level they were um, 10 years ago. Um, Princesa Suhe and La Guerrera. Princesa Suhe does also have um, social media, but La Guerrera, I haven't seen if she has any, um, but they're a distant third. Uh, the leading vote getters right now have been Dallas and Stephanie Vacker as the this time of this recording but gaining very quickly are Dark Silhouette and Reina Isis. Um, Dark Silhouette just advanced into the Amazon, um, the Women's Universal turn, um, Final, which will be happening the following week. So um, they, she's getting not only that rub, 
but she also built up a little bit of a rivalry with Harochita. So that's kind of Yuvia and I mean, yeah, Reina Isis and Dark Silhouette. They both have a, a lot of um, a lot of um, social media, so they've been getting a lot more um, votes and are slowly getting gaining on Dallas and Stephanie Vacker. Dallas, both Dallas and Stephanie Vacker have social media. They get that, and also Stephanie Vacker has a lot of a backing from her um, home country of Chile. You know, being that there really isn't a Chilean wrestler um, that they can root for as far as within CML. And she's probably the biggest one that they could get. And they've been trying. She got hurt. Um, but I kind of have a feeling Dark Silhouette and Reina Isis might surpass them just because um, they're riding a, a high. And I think that would probably be the best matchup for Harochita and, and Yuvia. Yuvia and Harochita have really become a pretty good tag team. Um, you, I think Yuvia has really benefited from being teaming with Harochita and also she kind of has changed her gear a bit I think I've mentioned this in previous podcasts where I kind of thought that um, she's a good looking girl when you see her on um, even though she covers up her face on her social media but when you see it you can kind of see that she's she shows a little bit more of a, a, a an appeal a sex appeal but when she would the, the outfit she would wear when she would wrestle they just didn't um, it kind of I mean it was supposed to come off that way but it kind of didn't come out that way but now that she's changed her gear enough it's kind of added that to her a new dimension to her um as far as um showing you know obviously you know you don't want to make it seem like that's all guys are interested in but that's part of it honestly there has to be that little bit of sex appeal you want great workers but you also want a little bit of a a a reason for the for people to want to see them um there has to be something that's going to catch people's eyes and that's kind of been something that um yuvia has done um, and that should be, I think that would be a, a good match if it ends up being Dark Silhouette and Reina Isis challenging. The next match announced was the Mexican National Tag Team titles, which are currently held by Rey Cometa and Spiritu Negro. Their challengers include Blue Panther Jr. and Dark Panther, Akuma and Espanto Jr., Fugaz and Esfinge, Stigma and Pegaso, Magia Blanca and Halcón Suriano Jr. Um, honestly, like I didn't even do add to the math, but if you look at the bottom three teams, or the I didn't do the not the math the I didn't really think about this, but if you look at the bottom three teams that I mentioned, um, Fugaz and Esfinge, Stigma, Pegaso, Magia Blanca, and Harcon Suriano Jr. Those are teams that are formed out of being from the region they are they're from. Um, Fugaz and Esfinge from Guadalajara, Stigma and Pegaso are from Puebla, and Magia Blanca and Harcon Suriano Jr. are from um, the Laguna. The Laguna, um, I think from they're from Torreon. So. They kind of try to keep that together as kind of making it a, 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 I guess they thought maybe that would work. But none of those three trios has any um, strong social media presence. So they pretty much have done nothing. Uh, Blue Panther, Jr. and Dark Panther have some social media presence. They have accounts, but they don't really like go all out on them. Um, Akuma and Espanto, Jr., I think they have, I think they might have a YouTube channel too, which um, they actually update or whatever they have they have some they have enough of a following where they're getting they're actually the vote the leading vote getters who would have thought espanto jr would be getting any type of votes um one of the lower tiered guys i mean not very good at all akuma shows some potential um he has a good cool personality he's had um he's done interviews in the past where i thought he could people cml could do more with him um i don't think he's that great of a worker but um i kind of would prefer that it would be blue panther jr dark panther be the challengers 
But if you're going to go with Akuma Espanto Jr., if you're going to go with them, I hope Rey Cometa and Espiritu Negro get the win. There's also the fact that Espiritu Negro, initially, when Akuma Espanto Jr. were forming a a trio, I think it was La Ola Negra, uh, Espiritu Negro was part of that. Um, And so now that he's teaming with Rey Cometa, he has not done very little. I think he's done nothing with them. Um, So um, it'd be kind of an interesting thing to like have them kind of go against each other. That's the only aspect. My first choice was always going to be Halcón Suriano Jr., but um, he's so distant from that that it makes no sense to continue voting for that. Um, the CMLL World Tag Team titles will also be defended on the anniversary show. They are currently held by Mystico and Caristico. The challengers include Volador Jr. and Titan, Los Gemelos Diablo, Ultimo Girl and Grand Girl, and honestly, Volador Jr. and Titan have such a huge lead. Um, there's no reason to vote for anybody else. They've pretty. If you're voting to because you want that to be the main event, continue voting for it just because you want it to be the main event. But I think that's pretty much done as far as Volador Jr. and Titan getting that match. And I think a lot of people want that because they kind of see that the other two teams are likely to be, get title shots against Caristico and Mystico if it should happen on a regular CML All Friday show or on another show. Um, whereas Volador Jr. and Titan going against them would be like a maybe a, a surprise sudden decision to do um so they figured let's just do it anniversary and i think that match i think that would be a phenomenal match um something that would be really really good um probably the match that if i was to order the anniversary show it would be for that one match just because i think it would be it would be a standout match um all four of those guys can 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 go especially the fact that they work the same style so um that would be a fun match the fourth match announced was the announcement that CMLL was able to get, bring back the Mexican national middleweight title, which was last held by Octagon while in AAA. He still held it as an independent. Um, I guess CMLL was able to get it from him or um, or the commission, the Lucha Commission might, might have just done the, given them the okay to, to, to create their own title. Um, but this will be done a little differently where the top four will wrestle on September 10th to determine the two finalists. Um, the, there are a total of nine part, nine participants that will be um, in th- that are getting votes right now. Um, that includes Angel de Oro, Templario, El Audaz, Felino Jr., Enfermero Jr., Dragon Rojo Jr., Star Jr., El Coyote, and Hombre Bala Jr. And of course, the leading vote getter has been Templario. Um, not only does he do, do, he does have a social media presence, but he's really really good, and I think people want him to be the the, the clear cut winner of that title. Um, the second place guy right now is Dragon Rojo Jr., and I think after him it is El Audaz and Angel de Oro are the four guys. Um, I think Coyote might no, I think El Coyote might be ahead of um, Angel de Oro and Aldaz, um, which is really surprising. But he also did um, CML Informa. So anybody that really gets a little bit of a rub um, on social media has social media or they get on informa they're more more likely to get votes just because that's that they they've appeared on something um i personally was was hoping star jr would get an opportunity or Ombre bala jr just because i think those two guys are really good um star jr has been really good the last couple of years so i think he's somebody that i hope continues to move up the cards because i i think he's been fun um but i i, I kind of think i'm not a big dragon rojo jr fan but uh, he's a good guy 
uh, maybe this, you know, just being part of the, the final four might be something worth it for him. Um, but I hope he doesn't end up winning it. I think it has to be Templario. Um, hopefully they position it where it's Templario versus Aldaz or, you know, Templario versus um, Angel Dor or something like that. Just because I, I don't, I don't really think um, it doesn't make sense for Dragon Rojo Jr. to be in the, in the final. And the final match that was announced and actually had to be changed was initially it was going to be the uh, a tournament for the Mexican national heavyweight title, which was initially announced as being last held by Diamante Azul with the top four finishers in the fan voting wrestling on the September 3rd card. Well, that did not happen because Diamante Azul made a big, decided that he was still the the national heavyweight champion and wasn't ready to give up that title. Um, he made a big stink about it. Um, rightfully so. I think that's the thing. Like a lot of people would, you look at it and you're like, man, you know, get over it or whatever. But the reality is he has a right to it. The national titles are not um, part of the promotion uh, of any promotion. They're, they're, they're handled by the Lucha Commission and then can be defended anywhere um, in, in the independence or in, you know, any AAA or CMLL. Um, unfortunately, um, Diamante Azul, or unfortunately, Diamante Azul kind of fell victim to the fact that um, the commission is trying to do favors for CMLL, and CMLL is trying to bring back all the national titles into their um, into their fold. And this became a big issue, and everybody kind of looked bad out of this. It's kind of funny because, um, like I said, um, Dinamitas Nueva Generación Dinamita le- left, and they didn't bring along the national trios titles. They just left them. They're like, you know, what? Why keep them? They left them. Um, so. CMLL basically right now has about about four or five titles that are currently vacant that need to be filled. So what CMLL decided to do uh, was that they were going to do a tournament for the national heavyweight title at a later time. Uh, But they basically had Julio Cesar Rivera do this big rant about YouTube channels and the yellow media, los los amarillistas, los reporteros amarillistas, and it became like this big thing where, where he was just burying everybody, saying how they're wrong and all stuff. When, you know, nobody's wrong. For the most part, everybody's right. I mean, if you don't think, honestly, it's for a title. I don't I don't think Diamante Azul should really be worried about this. Um, worst case scenario, Diamante Azul goes to another promotion, wins the title there. And that's pretty much about the same level of a national title at this point in time. It's not... It's not the 19, 1960s where these national titles were like a huge deal or the, in the 70s. It's not that big of a deal now. Um, they kind of, you know, they're, it's cool to have, but it's not really like, you know, if you don't have it, it's not the end of the world. There's other titles to hold. And honestly, for the most part, um, not, titles in Mexico are so meaningless because everybody has so many. I mean, CMLL alone has over 20 titles uh, within their roster, not to not to mention the universal titles and then the 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 leyenda de plata, leyenda azul, all these that have belt. I mean, they also have trophies and belts for that stuff. So it's kind of a ridiculous um, thing where they have so many um, trophies and championships and all this stuff that it's kind of it just defeats the whole purpose of of how important a championship belt is. Um, but CML decided that they um they weren't gonna like do this because they kind of felt that it, it they didn't want to continue this to be a, the talk of, of Lucha Libre for during the anniversary, that they would do this at a later time. Um, so instead of having the Mexican National Heavyweight title um, determined by four participants and then, in, you know, leading to the final two going 
into the anniversary to, to challenge for the title. They decided to have Ultimo Guerrero um, defend the CML World Heavyweight title, um, which honestly ends up being a better main event or match on the anniversary. Um, say what you want about Ultimo Guerrero, but the guy is a hell of a performer. And um, he's a big star in the eyes of so many, of pretty much everyone. That um, as much as I would have liked to have seen Echicero versus Carvinario or, you know, Euphoria or Atlantis Jr. who's in this, um, see them kind of reach the final as much as I would have liked to have seen that. Um, honestly, I think if you could get Echicero versus Ultimo Girl on an anniversary show, I think that would be really cool to see. Um, especially because Echicero is, is very underutilized by CMLL. And they finally, because out of necessity, it kind of seems like they're going to have to start using him more often. Um, and hopefully he kind of finally gets his big opportunity. Um, but the big the participants for this um, tournament include Euphoria, Echicero, Barbara Carvernario, Terrible, Panterita del Ring, Valiente, and Atlantis Jr. Now, this is a heavyweight division. I don't normally, like for me, I don't really care. Like to me, if, if they defend the heavyweight title, um, there's other heavy in, in the U.S. heavyweight titles now. They're being defended against lighter weights. Nobody makes a big stick about it. But in the in, in Mexico, because we still have a lot of, um, especially in CMLL, because there's still a lot of weight classes, um, people suddenly, you can't have certain a, a lighter weight wrestler defend challenge against the heavyweight title. And it makes sense. I get it. But at the same time, I mean, you're losing. I mean, there's not a lot of heavyweights in CMLL. Although I will say right now, um, the, the names I listed, if you just if you just have like Euphoria, Echicero, Carvernario isn't much of a heavyweight, but um, Terrible, Panterita, the Ring, those are actually um, pretty decent heavyweights. I mean, it's not like they're they're. Um, there's been periods in CML where they really haven't had a, a strong group of heavyweights because it's mostly a lot of um, guys who are um, light heavyweights, middleweights, and light and welterweights that that fill up the the roster. But for the right now, they have about four or five guys that you could kind of say are 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 in that heavyweight division, but. Um, honestly, that's not even enough. You really have to open it up to more people. I don't know if you could just like make it like, hey, okay, the heavyweight titles defended against anyone um, over a certain weight, and like it could be you know middleweight on up. Then I could see that. But Atlantis Junior, I don't even think he's a middleweight. I think he's more of a welterweight. Um, he should have been in the middleweight tournament. I don't know how they, you know, honestly, like what they should have done is replaced, switched over Dragon Rojo Junior with. Um, with Atlantis Jr. or Angel de Oro with um, Atlantis Jr. because I think I think Angel de Oro or Dragon Roll Jr. you could kind of maybe play off as being possibly heavyweights at this point in their careers, but um, Atlantis Jr. still really skinny. Um, I would say he's a welterweight. Um, I don't know how they came up with him being in that. Um, maybe they just thought maybe they, they could get he could. I don't think they had it in. I don't think they thought that people were going to vote for him right now just because he's still not quite. At the level of his dad as far as star power um but he is or maybe they thought that maybe somebody thought they were going to put atlantis in who knows um but um, right now the leading boat getters had chisero um the other two that are the other three that were right behind are euphoria barbara carvernario and atlantis jr so um i think that would have been also interesting if they would have done that because we could have got atlantis jr versus one of those guys and atlantis jr is good um, and those four guys are all pretty good workers and guys who kind of want an opportunity. But I think if you get Echicero versus Ultimo Girl, I think that'd be kind of fun. Um, if they did that, I think they should also do like seconds, like have somebody like be the second. I think I think the this would be what I would do. Echicero's been wanting to do the the Nuevo Infernales, and now that now that um, 
now that um, NGD's gone, they need that second tier um, top Rudo trio. And the fact that you don't have Los Ingobernables, the new, new ones, uh, with Niebla Roja not wrestling there as often, um, you need a new group. Maybe have Euphoria be um, Echicero second. And then you start building up the, the next Infernales. Maybe you bring Satanico just to team up with those two. And then later on, um, you splinter out Satanico and, and you bring in a third member. But I have a, I, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to do an article on the 10 things I would do to change CML just to improve it. Um, given that they're really in need of just some, some, some fresh, fun ideas. Um, if I was in charge, the guy I would bring in to be the third Infernal would be Sobrano Jr. just because I think that would actually keep him there. Um, I think it would be fun him teaming up with his dad, Euphoria. And also he would finally like you. And I'm not saying do revivals in Graveless. I'm saying turn him heel and have him be like against, you know, all the welterweights because he's a welterweight. He could, you know, him against Volador Jr., Titan, um, Caristico, Mystico. There's so many more. Atlantis Jr., there's so many more guys you could work against if you switch him to the other side um, as opposed to him being still technical and then, you know, wrestling, you know, Carbonario, Nero Casas over and over again. Um, I, Mephisto. I mean, those guys, don't get me wrong, they're good and he's been able to have good matches with them, but, you know, there's only so much. But I think that would be kind of a fun thing to to have him be like the third member, but only let him make him a he- full-on heel, especially after what he said about Ultimo Guerrero. I think that would be kind of fun. That would be a, a fun. And then eventually you could lead to a, a, a you know, you have those three work with uh, against technicals and little by little you start planting the seed to to eventually have them feud with the girls Laguneros because then you would have a fun rivalry just because you'd have Ultimo Guerrero, Grand Guerrero who are, you know, capable of working with Echicero and Euphoria. And then you have Sobrano Jr. who could work with Templario and have great matches with him, them. The combination, Sobrano Jr. could team up with Euphoria versus the Guerreros. Um, you know, more more combination, Templario versus Echicero. There's way more combinations you could do. Um, and I think that would be a fun um, a fun thing to do. Um, that's that's my that, That'll be on my list of 10 things I would do if I was in charge of CMLL. Um, the other one would be fire half the roster and half the people working backstage. <laughs> but um, that'll be in the that'll be in my in my um, post when I eventually get to that. I might actually have to start writing it sooner or later because I think it it's going to be like if I wait too long, it's going to be like a waste of time to have done it. Uh, but that's about it for CMLL. Um, the big news also was that this past this this last Friday. They actually had post-match interviews with everyone, with the winning team, with the winners of each um, of the matches, and I thought that was cool. Echicero came off as a, like a legitimate Rudo, not like a, a tweener, so I thought that was great. Dark Silhouette the same. Um, I really dig her as as a heel. Um, I think she's gonna be. I think she's. I think she's gonna. She's somebody that they should have like when she wrestled Zuxis years ago. That should have been like the starting of her starting to get more of a push, but unfortunately, that at that point in time, they kind of brought in Dallas and all those other like older women, and they kind of like took over. They wouldn't let any of the younger women get an opportunity. Um, Zuxis hasn't been anywhere. I, I kind of wish she would have stuck around with CMLL now, or co- been able to come back. Unfortunately, she should have done what Princess Suhei did because she's really had a hard like she's basically been independent but is nowhere to be found really um it didn't work out with her in triple a and you know independent she really hasn't done as much um i don't really think i i don't know if there's anyone 
on the independent scene besides Zuxis that is really really would um, be an, a big interest for CMLL to bring in. And honestly, I think they've, you know, oddly enough, some of the women that we used to criticize that kind of like with Yuvia and Reina Isis, they've kind of improved enough where they're not um, horrible. They become passable. Um, but some of the... The, the, it's still a it's still a very questionable division. Um, they did smart in bringing in Stephanie Vacker and um, bringing back Silhouetta and and La Magnifica. So they did smart. Um, they made smart decisions on who they were bringing in. Um, but I don't. I think other than that, I don't know if you necessarily need to bring in more women. You kind of have to let um, La Guerrera is also um, pretty decent as well. But um, you just gotta like. I think I think as they get they gotta get rid of a few of the old, older women and start pushing some of the younger women as as time goes on but i think for the time being i wouldn't get go get too overworked trying to bring in more women i think what they have right now the fact that they're able to do the marcella amapola um kind of uh relevos increíbles dream team um that should be enough for them to do something for the time being and possibly even turn marcella ruda for a while but i don't really think you need more um there's i i mean especially when you're watching iwrg and you see some of the the how bad some of the women are that have made appearances on those shows. I don't. I think I think they're they're okay for the time being. Uh, maybe like if there's somebody that might catch your eye, then bring her in. But um, as far as work, I mean, because you know, it, it's like I mean, Sonali didn't even make it onto that um, Universal Women's Tournament. That kind of tells you how how um, questionable the women's division has been. I think she didn't make it. I don't think she was on that because um, I know when. Um, when um, Stephanie Becker got hurt, they didn't really, really bring her. They didn't ask her to come in. Vaquerita worked the Friday show, which which is surprising because she usually only works um, Sunday shows because of her um, work schedule, I think. And she has kids also, so um, she's not able to do that as much. But I, I thought that was cool that they did post-match interviews. Um, the trouble with CML is that they give up on that stuff right away. But I think they got to do it. The post-match promos, interviews, I think that's that's something that... A, a cool element to add to the CMLL shows, especially when they're not really gonna. There's only so much that you could do with just match quality, carrying a mat, um, carrying a show, um, and if you don't have that, you're not really gonna. There's people aren't gonna be that interested if people aren't talking and building stuff up. Um, and Chisero did a great job of building himself up as like the best wrestler in CMLL, which I would say, I mean, he probably is, and um, hopefully he gets to show it this time around. So that's about it for this week. Um, check us out on on all podcast platforms. I don't even remember Apple, uh, I Stitcher, all the other stuff. I don't even know how many of these still exist. I just bring them up. But we're on the YouTube channel as well, on the Retro Wrestling YouTube channel. Um, check out the Patreon page, patreon.com slash luchaworld. There's three different tiers. The $1 tier is just like, you know, a, a little bit of a support, you know, thank you towards you're throwing out to the, the, the website. There's a couple of few um, items available, uh, podcasts available on the $1 tier. I'll probably add a few other things that as I, as I go along, maybe put in a, a magazine write up for a dollar in there every so often. Um, but I, for the most part, if you're a big Lucha Libre fan, the, 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 the tier you want is the $3 tier where you get um, the Lucha Classica podcast. I haven't done one in a while just because um, I kind of think, the, re the in all honesty, there's so much research into doing that stuff that 
I have to do the I do have to do the Lucha Magazine write-ups and get ahead on that stuff because it would make it a lot easier to do to do the the, the Lucha Classica podcast. Um, also, um, and at the five dollar tier, you're getting um, uh, my uh, uh, every month you get ten DVD titles available in ISO files. Um, so that format, you just have to unzip them and you get DVDs and you could burn them. You could do whatever you want. You could turn them into um, MKV files and watch them on your 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 TVs, monitors, however you want it. Or if you want to burn them, save them for prosperity on, onto DVD. You could do that as well. And you also get the Lucha Classica podcast. A couple of other podcasts I did for a while. Um, the Retro Wrestling podcast that I had also, um, I did a few of those shows as well. Um, a lot of that stuff has involves a lot more work. So like I said, it, it's going to be a while before I'm able to um, do it. Also the pandemic kind of, you know, a lot has gone on in the last year that has really kind of um, thrown a wrench into a lot of my projects um also the fact that i have two websites kind of doesn't help <laughs> i have a lot of i have a lot of stuff that i do a lot of i, I write a lot basically uh, you could find more lucha libre news and information on luchaworld.com and you could visit my my retro wrestling reviews page which is retrowrestling.com um, check it out um, it's it's got a lot of reviews i've been reviewing a lot of Mid-South Wrestling, Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling, Memphis Wrestling, Lucha Libre, New Japan Pro Wrestling, All Japan Pro Wrestling, World of Sport, All Japan Women, um, even some old WWWF. Um, I haven't been doing a lot of WWWF or WWE stuff because um, I haven't subscribed to Peacock. I'm waiting to find out that they've actually added everything. Every time somebody posts like an update on it, there's still stuff missing. Hopefully there is now that um, as I think SummerSlam, the time of this recording, I think SummerSlam has already passed. Um, so um, hopefully by that point, um, there will be some, everything will be available on there and then I could sign up to it. But, you know, for the most part, you can find a lot of it on YouTube. Um, hell, they post, somebody posted all the IWA, the the Eddie Einhorn promotion, where Mel Mascaras was the long-reigning champion, posted a lot of those shows. I may actually go through that rabbit hole and watch those and review those just because I have other, no other, like, I just like to do that stuff, honestly. I just enjoy watching old wrestling. So that's it for this week. We should be back at some point. I know Kurt has been wanting to do a podcast. Um, he might be back at some point as well, too. Not sure if he'll be back on a Lucha World podcast, but I may have to just create another podcast just to have him on. Uh, maybe revive Slam and Stand just because he doesn't watch a lot of current wrestling, but he does like to talk about Or maybe just have him on one of the Retro Wrestling podcasts. I may actually just do something with Retro Wrestling podcasts and have that on. Um, either put it on, on Patreon for free for everyone. Because I need a I need a feed, and basically I don't want to I don't want to put it in with the Lucha World podcast because it doesn't really it, it's just going to confuse people to add that to the feed. But maybe if I could put it on the Patreon for free, and then put it also on YouTube on the YouTube channel on the Retro Wrestling YouTube channel, it might make sense to do that. So that's one of my ideas that I've been um, thinking about doing. Just like, but for the time being, we're still there's still a lot going on. Um, hopefully, um, I would guess the next podcast might be. Um, the anniversary, post-anniversary, maybe earlier. Um, I might do something earlier as I w w go back and watch old wrestling or actually w watch old um, CML on AAA that from this past couple of months because there's been a lot of stuff that I haven't watched. Um, so once I watch that, maybe I'll do that podcast. I promise that I'm just talking about 
what I recommend as far as good matches to watch. Um, I'll probably be doing that next, and then we'll do the the anniversary podcast. Um, So that's it for this week. Stay safe, everyone, and talk to you guys again soon.